Hello and welcome to another episode of the MSC Performance Podcast with me, Mark Coulson and Luke Rogers. Uh, very much looking forward to today's podcast. We have a Q&A that we're going to be going through. So a couple of days ago, we dropped a story on Instagram um, and we've had some really good questions come back. So we're looking forward to uh, to cracking on with some of those. Uh, some really good questions with a variety of, uh, of topics. Um, before we get started, uh, we have the Metcon Games coming up soon. So just a little reminder, uh, 28th of October, uh, Metcon game 6.0 really really looking forward to this one we've got some great stuff planned for it uh, we've got we've got 40 competitors which filled up pretty much instantly it was amazing uh, we've got guys on the waiting list so really good demand for it and we're looking forward to a, an exceptional uh, exceptional day don't forget uh, there's always a night out afterwards as well so the games will be taking part in the morning and then obviously free to do uh, whatever you wish in the uh, in the rest of the day and then in the evening we will meet up again and we are going to da, 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 Hockley Social Club surprise surprise Hello, Hockley Luke. Social um, yeah, and should be good. Bit of fancy dress as well. Fancy dress. We're going to do fancy you get dress. To use your special, uh, a lot of people will be listening. To, yeah, a lot of people will be listening to this thinking, for God's sake, not fancy dress. But yeah, don't be a nose. Get it Once done. A year. Get it done. Once a year. Yeah. Throw something on. Throw a silly hat on. Silly hat. And uh, you're good to go. You're good to go. So uh, yeah, Hockley Social Club in the evening. So good place if you want. Bit of food if you want. Good drinks. Straight into good drinks. Vibes. Good vibes, good times had. Uh, so, looking forward to what will be a spectacular day. I think. Mm-hmm. Should we crack on? Let's today. Dive we're, in. we're feeling productive <clears throat> today, so we're going to crack on straight away with uh, with the Q and A. Fire is up, Luke. I haven't so, even seen these, so fantastic. It's going to put us on the spot. So, some Max Craven asked. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Max wasn't appropriate for the uh, for the podcast, obviously. Uh, so, the first question that was um, is: I always get tipped forward on the squat on the squat, no matter how hard I try. Any tips? Which I guess is fairly, we haven't seen the lift, so we're just going to be giving like general advice here of what you can be doing to try and improve your squat positioning out of the hole. Um, and I think the common fault of the squat is is often getting tipped forward. It's a lot of uh, it's a lot of people's main issues is trying to maintain that position as you drive out the hole. And I think ultimately with the squat, the thing that most people struggle with is just maintaining the weight through the midfoot. Um, and often the weight either drifting too far back onto the heels or drifting too far onto the toes. And your ability to maintain that weight through the midfoot is what's going to dictate your success as coming out of the hole. So you need to look at your strategies to help improve your ability to keep that weight through the midfoot. So in terms of actually starting like with the lift, the first thing that you could probably focus on is, is that foot pressure. And something that we like to use, the tripod foot, which is trying to maintain even foot pressure through the big toe, the little toe and through the heel. Once you've got that dialed in, I would then recommend using slower eccentrics to make sure that you're able to keep things as balanced as we can do. And a lot of times we find that getting tipped forward out of the hole is actually a fault of going too fast into the hole. So we want to be a little bit more mindful of that descent speed, try and keep things a smidge more controlled, at least in the short term, so you can really reinforce that foot pressure. And then we can really focus on driving out the hole and maintaining that torso angle and driving that chest up. So I would start with the uh, the foot pressure. 100% yeah I think uh, great points there and with with this I always try and think imagine you're you're looking at yourself from side on uh, you know or video yourself next time you do it you want to keep that bar in the center of your mass that's the that's the key uh, as Luke says I found the most common fault with this is just like inappropriate foot pressure and just not controlling the lift not controlling the descent so 
you know maybe perhaps try try adding some you know some some tempo tempo squats into your program some pause squats where you can just really you know work on maintaining tightness in the in the bottom position uh, make sure you're maintaining the bar in the center of mass in that bottom position as well and the tempo is just to you know control that uh, work on controlling that eccentric component uh, bar placement as well obviously you know can be can be key a lot of people sort of squat with almost a low bar type you know hip uh, hip placement where they're pushing the hips back quite a bit but the bars maybe sat in a high bar uh, position where it's quite high on the traps um, so that's something else to to look out for as well if you're kind of quite hip dominant in your squat and pushing back a little bit you know maybe just putting that bar a little bit lower down on the back into more of a sort of powerlifting style uh, low, low bar position might be worth looking into yeah i was going to go going back to the pause squat. i really like the pause squat because as well as like you know time spent in that bottom position and then really focus on driving it up and the foot pressure it also does force you to be a bit more controlled on the way down because if you drive in super quick it's, it's very difficult to get a good clean pause so the pause squat does a really good job of, of regulating that descent speed as well and you're absolutely right about the the bar position because it's the same yeah like if you're sitting back really far back but that bar is really far forward if you look at it from the side the bar realistically is going to be ever so slightly forward of the midfoot and it makes it super difficult um, to maintain that balance then you'll find as you come out the hole the hips will then rise to counteract that the other fault that you find and it's funny because people have started to change their mind on it is the um, is starting too far back on your heels mm. and then like if you're coming on your heels not really thinking of that foot pressure and then as you descent down you'd almost fall backwards if you didn't shift the hips up and if the shoulders didn't shoot forward to, to balance that out and um, a common um, a common technique I use with a lot of lifters, especially power lifters, is that pre-hinge. Um, and a couple of people have turned away from the pre-hinge recently because of the foot pressure. But I think the issue there is it's, it, it's more if you take the pre-hinge too far. And like if you're set up and then just really drive back onto the heels. If you can maintain that foot pressure and just allow that slight forward lean, I think like you get the best of both worlds where you've able to maintain the, the torso angle on the way down because you're already starting slightly lean forward. You haven't got to lean forward as much through the squat, so that helps with the balance. And as long as you're not dumping back onto the heels too much, I think it's okay. Uh, so I still really like that, but it's either going to be one way or the other, isn't it, where people are either, like I said, having the bar too far forward and coming onto the toes, or they're starting too far on the heels and then the weight's shifting back, so then the hips have to shoot up, shoulders come forward to, to balance that out. So I think the main things that we've just said is the foot pressure and then slowing down the eccentric take care of probably 90% of the problems from there. 100%. So that would be the uh, the go-to. Yeah, happy with that. Awesome, yeah. cool. That was good. Shall I get the next one, Mark? Let's get the next one, Luke. Yeah, yeah. I think as well, just to add very quickly to that as well, when people um, shift the hips back slightly, which I, I like to coach as well, is just like getting into that lordotic position as well. Some beginners are quite bad for, for, for that. Um, so just basically what I mean by that is just like flaring the ribcage up, just yeah. arching the arching the back uh, as they push the as they push the hips uh, back. So that might not necessarily uh, affect you tipping onto your toes, but just the isn't a, isn't a great yeah isn't a great uh, absolutely great, that's, great position. that's the thing that you've just said where you you've just got stacked you've just got tight and then the first movement rather than leaning forward you, you're actually just pushing the hips back and then yeah. you're going straight to that height and it's yeah a bit problematic ribs down Jackie get your ribs down boy. Um, cool uh, we've had a few questions about accessories which is quite cool um, quite a fun one after a, a bit more of a, an informative one uh, favourite accessory for each muscle group oh, we've wow. got chest back quads <laughs> hamstrings ooh ooh this is fun chest what you, what's your, Jesus, I'm not sure I've ever done an accessory from a chest. Um, what do you class as accessory? Yeah, you're saying exactly. anything is not it, bench press. We're saying if it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could. I mean, would you class like a dumbbell like 
beds for you would be yeah. an accessory. Yeah, it? yeah, exactly. But are we not sort of counting that? I'd class that. Okay, because I'm going, okay. I'm going dips. So dips. Do you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know something? I've never had dips in my program ever. It's just the one movement I think where I just like just feels so uncomfortable yeah, for me. Yeah, a lot like, of people I've can't rug- do them. I've got the rugby shoulders. Broke my arm about twelve times. Like I just cut. Like you know, it's it's a bit. Um, hypocritical really because I'm always like right come on you can always get into you can always get into certain positions and stuff but that's one movement where I'm just like nope Um, but a lot of people can't but if they can if you can do dips I try and give them to everyone but we always I joke with Tez is like anyone over the age of 30 can't do dips and it's like you look at like the older guys (laughs) are training 20 honestly it's a horrible horrible move like brilliant movement but for me just like horrendous so, um, so what would you go for uh, oh, do you know what it's controversial and I haven't done it for years but I used to really love a lying cable chest fly oh, yeah. the cable chest fly man like, cable's way superior to dumbbells for flies and I, for... I hate dumbbell yeah. flies I think dumbbell <clears throat> flies I've never programmed for anyone I think they're disgusting like, they're just awful um, cables, all that tension and then ca- nothing and then nothing cables everything cables like... brilliant I used to do them like lying down on a bench um, and not, absolutely love only... it. I'm bringing them back, Luke. I'm going to bring them. I'm going to bring them back. The only problem is when you get fairly heavy. Like actually getting the cables is a bit of a fucking mission. Like you got to go over to the one, oh, then you've got tough, to lie down. Setup. It's a bit tough of, setup. It's tough. Tough setup. Um, All right, cool. So, Cable fly. Get the pump. I'm going. I'm going with those or weighted press ups. Probably right. a bit, bit of a better one. But let's say no, cable, no. Let's say cable. Stick to my guns. I'll go cable uh, fly. All right. Back. Uh, what do you do for? Back. Oh, that pull down's great, isn't it? You can't go too far. You got to get more specific. You got to choose the grip. You go neutral, wide, close. I love the handles we got recently. What yeah. they called? Those um, mag grips. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A bit so more neutral. Get you in a neutral yeah. grip, and like for me, pulling again with like previous injuries to like the, the bicep tendon and stuff. Like the neutral grip with pull ups is, is way more comfortable yeah. for me. So I'm gonna say, um, yeah, like neutral grip. Um, moderately, like moderate width, not not too wide. Yeah, uh, lap pull down. I'll go okay. for that. that. That's the first thing that comes. To that mind. was that was going to be mine, and I think in terms of feels, that's the best one. But in terms of like actually being able to push your accessories and like seeing progress in them, I really like the same grip, like shoulder width, neutral uh, pull up. And actually really like working hard to try and increase that over time. I think a lot of people get buying when they start to see that weight added. While well, lap pull down, you add in fucking yes. five kilos once a year. Like it's super difficult to see progress. You can actually, if you program pull-ups and, and pull-ups and chin-ups also, you have a bit more, I think, flex, like you're not going to do a set of three on lap pull down, but you could do a heavy triple on pull-ups and it'd be quite nice. Okay, yeah. Do you good, know what I mean? Good, so. Great answer, great answer. I think where I wasn't, I wasn't thinking pull-ups, I think, because for me, that's like, quite a primary yeah. movement for my training like with my upper yeah. whereas for you it's obviously yeah not, yeah we're coming from two but it's for cool you to it, talk yeah about. for you no it is yeah for you it's but i would i would have gone me, the wide grip like lap pull down if you would have mentioned it to be honest yes yeah yeah, I do yeah. Really like it. interesting because i do love a, a weighted pull up as well um for me i'd class that as one of the big bigger movements yeah. i think for you anything outside the big threes obviously a class like accessory yeah, yeah. so a weight a good weighted pull up yeah, like yeah, for low reps yeah, re- yeah, really yeah. trying to push that up. The bind you get from that as well. Yeah. I already know the answer for both of our shoulders. Three, two, one. Lateral, lateral raises. <laughs> Do your lateral raises twice a week. One day for 15 to 20 reps. One day 8 to 12. Do them strict. Get capped shoulders. 
I do like an Arnold press as well. But lateral races, an Arnold press. La- lateral races, it. but lateral races is, is, is superior. superior. Yeah, yeah. Quads. Ooh. I'll I'll jump in straight after. I love the bell squat. I fucking love the bell squat that with with great. with the ramp or really encouraging knees forward. I love yeah. it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Roof elevated split squat. <sighs> you're you're weird, man. With the safety bar. <laughs> Mark Mark's on his desert island. He can only do one exercise on each, and he's doing fucking roof elevated split squat for the rest of his life. Nice. It's horrible, but like sure. in terms of like. The benefits I get from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be, uh, it'd, it'd be up there. Yeah. Last one, hamstring. Lion hamstring curl. You like an Nordic. RDL? Nordic, lovely. Yeah. That's the difference in us again, isn't it? Like no powerlifters ever doing a Nordic, but for yeah, rugby and for. Yeah. Because yeah. that's really good. Well. Say, that's, uh, <laughs> hasn't served that's me good. well recently. I was going to say it's good for injury prevention. How's <laughs> the string? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work, but it's nice. I did. Uh, like obviously, I didn't like to see you getting injured, but like the day I was like. He's S&C There's bullshit. no irony. Like, why, why uh, yeah, does yeah, this yeah, happen yeah, to me? Like, yeah. I'm doing everything right and I'm know. still... Not uh, Yeah, decent. Um, what about, like, last one, core? Have you got a favourite core exercise at the minute? Um, I like a, a Lechness. Yeah, nice. I like a rollout. Yeah. Not very good at rollouts, but I like... Rollouts them. are tough. Yeah. Um, rollouts. Yeah, cool. For me, I like um, correcting like the again from the powerlifting perspective of being like stiff all the time. Some kind of rotation. I love a landmine rotation, but I've got to be honest. Like if I'm tired, it's probably the first thing I'm going to drop something slightly easier because yeah. they are tough, man. And it's yeah. tough for the upper body as well. But yeah. I do like a landmine rotation. Again, like you can push the weight up, and it's it's a good exercise. So it is. It is. Yeah. It's quite interesting when we're coming from it from very different different sides of the coin there. Mm. But that's quite mm. good. Um, Another accessory question, we've got two more accessory ones. Um, based off in the Barber Club, why have you started adding drop sets and mile sets to the accessories in the Barber Club? It's very tough. It is very tough, correct? That's it one of is. the reasons we're doing them. Correct. Toughen you all up. So it's very interesting. I had a, uh, had a, had a conversation with one of, the, one of the clients in the Barber Club, well, obviously not naming names, um, because like, oh, I'm not... 100% happy with the, the progress that I'm making like is there anything you know what am I doing wrong what can I do differently and on the face of it like they do everything correct like they're filling in the program they're turning up three days a week and I was like well actually I've watched you do some of your accessories and you know you're timing yourself which is great you've obviously got a busy life you're trying to get in and out but you time yourself so so strictly that you've had to reduce the weight on the bar and actually I'm still watching you lift and you're nowhere near probably compared to where you should be the stimulus that you need in terms of like muscle growth um you know when we look at the research you, you want to be anywhere in terms of like that minimum six rpe to a nine rpe let's say yeah um and he was probably well he was under that luke i think we're all guilty aren't we of we've spoke about this quite a lot over the last six 12 months i'd say where like i think we just i think it was the turn of the year wasn't it when we were just saying which is a light bulb moment of like, wow, people just don't work hard enough with their yeah. accessories, myself included a lot of the time. And, and like, yeah, yeah, you know, you get your big lifts done and it's like, you go through the motions a little bit with the accessories. How often are you like, you know, really, you've taken like, you know, bodybuilders is a good example, like pushing the accessory, you think of like, you know, I've got no idea about modern bodybuilders, but like, you know, back in 
the golden era of bodybuilding like you watch their sort of training your, your, your Tom Plaxes and your, <laughs> your Arnolds and stuff like just working like but there's a reason why them videos hard. are so good for motivation because yeah, they're going they're to working hard yeah. man like whether it's a lateral raise or a split squat or you know 20 reps on squats with 500 pounds yeah exactly yeah it's uh, like they're working hard and it's like okay we're not you know we're not able to work as hard as those guys maybe all the time but it's an example isn't it it's an example of I think people just go you know are a bit soft with their accessories and it, it needs a bit of a reminder of yeah. like actually you just need to work harder on yeah. your accessories and, and, a, and a bit of context with that is like a lot of times as a, we use AMRAPs um, as many reps as possible on your accessory stuff because accessories to go to failure is pretty safe compared to like yes. when we really take a squat to failure because you're going to be limited by like IV technique or like it just becomes a bit more unsafe when you're getting that close to failure um, but like a bicep curl to failure is, is absolutely fine and we use the AMRAPs to kind of uh, recalibrate how hard people are working and like I said you want to fall between that kind of 6 to, to 9 RPE range but 6 RPE like if you miss it like and you go slightly under like you're way too far away from failure to get the strength stimulus uh, hypertrophy stimulus that you want so actually going a little bit high up is probably a good idea and like the drop sets and, and mile reps is a great way of forcing you to work hard enough that you're definitely hitting the stimulus and if you're doing 10 sets a week and you're pushing them all to like close to failure versus 10 sets at 5 RPE, the difference in hypertrophy is going to be ridiculous. And it's just making sure that people are working hard enough and justifying the time that they're putting into the gym. Yeah. 100%. Move on. Fantastic. Cool. Uh, last one then, kind of, limit, kind of I guess, related to that was um, a question. Um, in the context of hypertrophy, is there a place for partial reps when approaching failure? So I guess kind of like forced reps or like um, I can't do a full range, so I'm going to just do slightly less range. Yeah, I think yeah, I think um, there is there is a place. I think with this sort of thing, got to be a bit careful because what you don't want to be doing is you know a big mistake a lot of beginners do is you know they're straight into straight into partials from the from the off really you know um, whether that's squat or whether that's lateral raises or anything like that. Um, but do partials have a have a place? Uh, yeah, I think I think there, I think there is a, a time time and a place for it, extra time and attention uh, for, for for one. Um, you know, again, it's just talked about like working working hard with your accessories and let's say you're doing those lateral raises, you're 10, 15 reps in, you know, adding five or six partials in at the end is still going to create a pretty yeah. pretty decent stimulus. So I think you got to look at it from like the cost and ben cost to benefit uh, ratio, and the benefit is that you know you're going to accumulate more volume. You're definitely working hard enough to get a hypertrophy stimulus if you're taking it that that well past failure, let's say, of what you can actually do. The negative is is like I think there's the reason why the bodybuilders do it, and like people in SNC or people that do full body sessions don't do it because you've got to look at the recovery aspect, and you look at the studies that it takes around like if you take a set to failure, it takes like at least 48 hours to get back to some kind of like normal strength level. So if you're training every day, every muscle group, taking something that far to failure is going to be, have a detrimental effect on your next session, and the amount of volume that you accumulate for the week is going to be down. So if you're training in that kind of model where you're doing full body or like mm. you know training the next day, it's probably not ideal. If you're training a split, body if you're doing a bodybuilder split like that, and you've got, you've got a week to recover or five days or, to recover, even if you're training chest twice twice a week, you're going to do it Monday and Thursday, aren't you? Yeah. So then all of a sudden you've got Tuesday, Wednesday to fully recover. You could probably, I mean, I'd still say that if you're doing three or four exercises to that far past failure is probably going to have a detrimental effect. But as long as you don't do it on every set, I think it's going to be absolutely fine. 
the negative is like if you're doing so much that you're incredibly sore and then your next chest day or your next whatever day it is you have to drop the amount of volume down like that's going to be a negative to the the goal of hypertrophy so i think it's a good little tool to use every so often but you don't want to you definitely don't want to overuse it and you kind of want to look at your training on like a a global view rather than looking at it as a set by set so rather than like one monster set where you're doing pass failure, you're doing partial reps, you're forcing reps, and then every other set's shit house. If you do if you do twelve really good high quality sets to eight to nine RPE, it's probably gonna trump it. But every so often doing a four set is probably a good thing to do. And like I said, it means you are absolutely hitting the stimulus. Hundred percent, yeah. I think that's it. I think with with training, I think most things, you know, it you know it depends on the context a little bit, and there's a probably justification for. For most for most things, you know, so partial reps, yeah, time and a time and a place perhaps, but I think taking all those things into into consideration is is important. Like I say, as an athlete, you know, like if you think of any of your athletes, like you know, any of mine, have I ever program? Well, I've certainly never programmed partials in, and if if they're doing partials, it's like, yeah, I mean, they just wouldn't really. But if they, if they're throwing a couple of partials in on a lateral raise, I'd probably be so okay with that. World, but, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so something we but for the bulk, to avoid. For the bulk part of your training, even if like the goal is strength or hypertrophy, especially hypertrophy, you probably want to be taking your exercises through as much range of motion as you can. You want to either lengthen them fully or you want to get into that shortened position. Yeah. The thing is with like the shortened position and part like let's say you're doing leg extension, which is training that shortened position of the quad rather than really lengthening them. Like if you're doing partials on that, it's not the top part. Mm. It's because you can't fucking extend your leg fully. So you're yeah. right at the bottom. So I'd argue then how much you're gonna get out of it, but like I think it's cool to chuck in every so often. Yeah, having, having said that, is it just to recap the question? Was it for hypertrophy or for hypertrophy specifically? Right, okay, for, yeah, because I was going to say from like sporting performance point of view, like there are moments where you you know you would add in partials and you know um, for looking at specificity, yeah, people get confused with being try to be specific for a sport. But if you're thinking like uh, prop forward in rugby, for example, um, like doing some partials, like you know pin squat for example or something you know something along those lines or you know a, a deadlift off blocks or high handle trap bar like there's you know if, if you count those as partials then there's a place for it there but not not from a hypertrophy point of view Give me second questions. We're we scrolling. Be, I'm scrolling. Yeah, I think we might be at the end of them. To be honest, we only had a, a few this week. Well, I'll tell you what. We uh, yeah, we got through those pretty pretty sharpish, and there's some good ones. I think some good good questions. Well, I'd like to ask you then about um, a little bit about. We were talking about case studies, and I'd like you to tell us a little bit about um, case study of your weightlifter that you started coaching, who was a little bit battered and you've got him on a bit of a restorative phase and he's feeling the best he ever has. Would you like to talk a little yeah, bit about that's that? Good. I think it's quite that's cool good. to... Big Demetrius. Yeah. And I can talk about Big Dorji. Big Dimmy. Big Dimmy. Um, yeah, so Demetrius has been a, been a member for a couple of years and um, open gym member, comes in, does his weightlifting, really nice fella, loves the social, Good. Uh, he's a good boy. Um, and uh, yeah, he contacted me sort of just saying he's a, a little bit disheartened with his training at the moment. Um, in terms of uh, just kind of progress has plateaued a little bit and just uh, picking up some issues with uh, with his knee um, which kind of although admittedly he's not had it tested and you know I'm not a doctor the signs are all po- pointing to a typical weightlifter injury of just you know mild mild patella tendonitis basically um, so just uh, having some issues around that 
um, really struggling with uh, the impact of, of weightlifting. And because of that, when he came to see me, I think he just stopped training for three or four weeks or maybe even a little bit longer. And as I say, it was just really disheartened, wondering how to get back to weightlifting. And uh, yeah, we had a really good chat about it and uh, basically spoke about the importance of keeping moving as opposed to just not doing anything. Uh, so trying to put that knee through some range in the in an appropriate manner where it wasn't going to cause any aggravation, but um, yeah, get get you know get some good blood flow flow through it, which is obviously going to like you know um, give give lots of benefits and help help the healing process. So basically said to him, look, you know, we're going to look at this weightlifting, this Olympic lifting as you know longer term project, a bit of a restoration um, period recover the knee bit of tissue tolerance work um bit of upper body you know hypertrophy work using you know i think when you've got an injury you have to do your best to look at the positives um and the opportunities and the opportunities with him were look let's you know if the weightlifting's plateaued a little bit let's you know build up a little bit of single leg work let's build up some upper body strength let's build back into the back squat and work on that so what we've done is we've done a six-week phase where we've been doing a lot of tempo work we spoke about tempo squats before we've been doing a lot of goblet squats at tempo um the slow eccentric components got massive benefits to recovering from tendonitis issues in the, in the knee um lots of time and attention lots of blood flow um you know the blood flow obviously transporting proteins amino acids helping with the recovery phase and he's been pain-free. He's been pain-free with everything we've done so far. Um, with a with a knee injury like that, we can we can load up the hip hinge really. Like there's no, you know, there's no restrictions there. To be honest, it's just the knee from the knee. We've got to be careful. So it's like goblet squats, um, one and a half rep uh, split squats with low load, and loading up the hip hinge, doing heavy RDLs. Um, doing upper body work for hypertrophy that he probably hasn't had much chance no. to do before because of the weightlifting and I did a lot of that with Jazz as well <laughs> Jazz was coming in doing a lot of dumbbell work pull-ups and Jazz still demands that he has pull-ups in his programs now because he just loves them um, and we keep two days of accessory work in there so yeah with uh, with Dimmy it's going well and we've just I've just written his new block this morning actually for next week so um, we're going into a second phase of uh, you know second block of six weeks where we're slowly drip feeding some Olympic lifting stuff back in there because um, technically he's a decent weightlifter isn't he, he? Is like very he's got good, good technique. technique yeah he is very good technically yeah so he's just got to keep him injury free and he could be stronger so yeah. um, that's what we're going to work on so we're in terms of Olympic lifting specificity bringing back in overhead squats uh, we're bringing in like hang power cleans as like a, you know on his Friday session just as a bit of a test like no no weights you know no not prescribing any weights just can you tolerate the work can you you know just chuck the bar around how does it feel add some fives see see how it responds and that's it still for olympic lifting um starting to add in um you know going from like goblet squat work to um front squat work but again like tempo low rpes logical progression you know going from like dumbbell pressing overhead to mill pressing and push pressing and things like this so we're slowly bringing back in a bit of a bit of specificity but are going to be looking the next block or two of really building his squat um is going to be the key and you know when he's squatting heavy weight again he's up 
where his top percentages are even hopefully beyond and he can tolerate the impact of you know 60-70% on his lifts then we're in a good position then to you know to, to get back to do it. proper weightlifting programming nice. so yeah do you know what more than anything as well like he's just got a spring in his step and I think like when you it's full when, of beans, man. when you're coming into yeah. the gym and you're like oh my knee's hurting oh this is going to hurt like you've already got this like negative mindset coming into the session and it just really manifest then into something more so than maybe it otherwise would have been mm-hmm. when you're kind of seeing that progression like oh man like my body feels great and he's almost itching now to do more work like the motivation of that and like the impact that has mentally compared to like dreading coming to sessions is huge yeah and now like this next block he'll be exciting isn't it he'll read that and before he'd have been like oh fucking hell, i've got hardly any olympic lifting and i've only got hand cleans and i've only got overhead squat but now it'll be like fucking brilliant man I can't wait to get back to this and yeah, you give the him mindset coming to a bit of a nibble with the overhead squats and the, that's huge man yeah yeah it'll be buzzing for that like Friday session of like you know some hang power cleans yeah. at the bar like you know yeah, let's yeah. start to build that back in because you can see light at the end of the tunnel you can see what you know lot, and I'll say to him as well like you know this this is what we're working towards yeah. so we can see the bigger picture so in the in the macro you know we're working on you know building back to, to this in the micro it's literally like yeah. you know being patient working on how it feels understanding that and having the buy-in is, is the biggest yeah, exactly. thing being patient with the knee but like let's go for the like upper body work and accessory work I've got him at 9 RPE for some stuff like on his uppers like, any, any force reps let's uh, some partials and force <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so uh, he's yeah he's, he's loving it and I think you know I say when you're in that that position you get a bit, bit of a buzz back for it and then you get your next program and it's the progressions yeah. you can start to see it you know hopefully uh, hopefully coming back you know, coming together so awesome we'll see awesome a little case study for me uh, yeah I thought it'd be quite interesting to talk about is uh, my lifter Doji um, he competed at the world championship six weeks ago and he benched 142 as a 16 year old um, that's 66 kilograms which Staffed. means he's eight kilograms lighter than me he's Unfortunately, 16 years plus younger than me, and he's benched my best ever bench at 142. <laughs> um, and it was really interesting when I started work. I've worked with him just over a year now, and he came to us and he had like a 125 bench. And his other lifts were like, I don't know, 170, 180 squat, similar deadlift. And I was like, man, it's going to be hard to progress that bench because it's already pretty high level. And funny enough, like the, the bench has progressed another 15 kilos his other lifts have really struggled to progress like we made some good initial progress and then he's been hampered like going into worlds with um, a back injury um, and it's quite interesting to talk about because we went into worlds he benched 142 his squat didn't look that good he had that thing we spoke about of the balance issue um, and the reason was actually the opposite way he said about being lordotic he was he was overstacked he was like really because he was scared of being in that extended position um, and it was really throwing off his balance you could see like he's flexed over so he's hitting the hole he's got nowhere to go and then he's kind of just falling backwards and it just did never look convincing and it's the same with his deadlift he was starting to get more flexed over as the weights went up he just didn't look confident in that position so we finished Worlds and it was like, okay, we know what works for your bench. You train six days a week, actually. He's the only person I train that does six days a week. He does upper, lower, upper, lower, upper, lower. So he benches three days a week. His other days he does like a squat, a deadlift, and then like um, a, a lighter squat and a, an, R, well, an RDL now. 
I was like, we need to change something here because at the minute it's just not working and he's not got any confidence with the back issue. Um, so actually, like, it's funny because you look at him and, like, he's so well suited to bench, which means he's really not suited to deadlift. Like, he's got these little short arms. It's quite, it's not the best position to get into deadlift. Like, it's okay, but, like, it's just a harder position to get in than someone that's got really long arms. So we've we've done the opposite because six weeks out, you might have initially thought, okay, we need to get that deadlift back up. Let's really boost up the work. We did the opposite where we've dropped it down to hardly any work. He was working at, like, 75% for sets of four which is not a lot of work at all um, and only on the one day on his second day it was a pure hinge pattern in extension trying to get comfortable being in that posture again um, and we had six weeks to turn it around so it's five training weeks really so we did fours for two weeks we did triples for two weeks and then the last week we did a double at 190 and it absolutely flew you prep for worlds we missed a 190 deadlift so like just by dropping the work down to kind of represent where he currently was with his training and what his capacity was like and his confidence actually then allowed him to, to get back up to his best numbers. And he actually deadlifted a PB of 207 and we'd only gone up to 119 in, um, in training. It obviously flew, but like I had no idea where his strength was at. Yeah. Um, but it was quite an interesting one to like drop back on the, drop back the actual amount of work on the squat and deadlift. Um, keep pushing on with the bench press and then as a result like his, his numbers were right up there like he squatted yeah. the best he squatted and he deadlifted an all time PB less is more sometimes 100% less is more is that a hard sell to him no. someone who's used to you know he loves working he's obviously doing yeah. six days a week he absolutely loves training hard he loves doing a lot of volume but I think like after Worlds he was kind of like look something needs like I don't know what's going on like my deadlift's just going down I just do not feel good in that position and you could just see it in him like, when he's deadlifting he just was not comfortable being in that position and it was like we've almost like been forced into a corner where we've got to try this anyway where we can't add more work because you're already doing too much work you're obviously not comfortable this is literally the only option now and my selling point to him was actually that like even if we don't get anywhere near where we want to be hopefully you'll be healthy and then mm. you can push on after the competition but actually it worked out to be like the right thing to do so moving forward now we're going to keep it super low and like really focus on like the quality of the work because of like i said the range of motion's bigger because of the the small arms like he's not that suited to it so you, you know the more suited you are to lift the more volume you can typically handle like you look at me and you when it comes to benching you're going to do a hell of a lot because you've got long arms i've got shorter arms or you look at squat, like I'm well suited to squat, you're not going to be the best suited to squat. The amount of work I would be able to tolerate compared to you, I'm going to do a lot more work. And I think that's kind of the rule that comes into play here with Dorji, where he wasn't actually doing a mil he wasn't doing that much work before. It wasn't like he was doing 12 sets a week. He was doing three or four on a Wednesday and then a couple of sets before his RDLs on a Saturday. But just scaling it back even more has just allowed him to really thrive. And it's a really interesting one to me, because like you said, a lot of people think more is more and just keep adding work keep adding work keep adding percentages and actually like easing back sometimes allowing yourself then to be able to push on in the future might be a better thing to do and you're finding the appropriate amount of workload for where you're at I think is the key and that's coaching eh? it's, it's hard to do and it's hard to it's hard to find and it's a moving target but like sometimes you've got to step back analyse what can we do different and then get back into it it's great it's the same with Dimitri where yeah he had to take a step back to then yeah. allow himself to push forward one step back to take two forward, sir, yeah. as they uh, as they say. So, uh, yeah, a couple of interesting brilliant. case studies of like, yeah, I thought it was quite interesting to talk about. Like, we're just a little step back and then thriving. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's uh, I think you know progress isn't always linear. Like, especially like week to week, session to session. I think a lot of people get 
sort of worked up on that and sometimes you know you do have to take a little little step back in order to, to continue to progress I remember um, Jazz's Jazz's program I actually said to Dimitri as well like for him like seeing the progress Jazz has made like that automatically gives you a little bit of buy-in yeah. I remember Jazz's first program and it was like tempo I was laughing with him he was like tempo 8 on squats yeah and he was fucking struggling yeah 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 <laughs> But he got but he got stronger and he stepped back he stepped back to then step back in and now yeah. he's obviously gained some strength gained some muscle he looks big at the minute um, he, t- he looks great yeah, yeah. Looks really he was good. a bit skinny before and now he's like he's yeah. looking really really well built he looks he looks like a full yeah uh, what category sixty seven yeah sixty seven yeah, yeah. He was a full sixty seven while before he was a light sixty seven he was a sixty one before that as well. Yeah. So uh, yeah. yeah, he's a, he's put on put on some uh, size for sure. Yeah. He had a good little session last uh, last weekend actually, and uh, yeah, sort of PB'd PB'd a, a new three rep uh, front squat. Um, what did he get? PB'd a snatch double, PB'd a clean and jerk double. So he had a big sesh, man. No so uh, we're buzzing, we're buzzing. I wish so, he'd post uh, a bit more. That's what I. Like. He only yeah, ever shares. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jazz, yeah, yeah. if you're listening, start posting a if bit more. If any of his competitors are listening, actually, just ignore what I just said. He had a terrible session. Yeah, he's um, looking crap for the English, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was uh, yeah <laughs> good. It was a good uh, good session, good session with uh, with the England squad. So yeah, fantastic. Speaking of weightlifting, we've got uh, Amy and Lucy uh, competing in their first comp tomorrow in Albury. So good luck to them. Yeah. Twelve and twelve and thirteen years old, doing the first ollie lifting session. Amy got uh, got into West Brom Academy uh, the other day as well. So. Uh, Jack of all trades, yeah. See how they go. Nice uh, see how they go the, tomorrow. It's nice to have the professional football as a back uh, backup option to the uh, amateur sport of yeah, weightlifting. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, it's like okay, we'll go do this weightlifting comp. Like, if you enjoy yeah. it, great. If you don't, yeah, we'll stick with the football. I think. Yeah. Come on. Um, yeah. So uh, they'll turn up and see. You know, have a bit of fun. Well, good luck to Amy. Good Lucy. luck to Lucy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's I think that's it from us, guys. We've uh, round up there. That was lovely. Yeah, enjoyable, guys. Hopefully, see you all in the week. And if not, we'll see you at the Metcon Games. As always, if you have any questions regarding what we spoke about, um, you can drop us a message. Or if you're interested in coaching, you can go via our website to book in a consultation to, to talk to one of us about your goals and kind of what's the best for you moving forward. If you're interested in online coaching, we also offer that. So feel free to get in touch. And until next time, we will speak to you soon. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Uh,